welcome to Graced by Rain, a podcast about the beauty in life. I'm your host, Elaine Shercliffe. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to the Graced by Sports, the sports show from Graced by Rain. Initially, I was going to make these episodes be 100% drop on Friday, and they were going to be around half an hour. What was I thinking? A lot of news has been coming out right now. A lot of news dumps on Friday, so or series were ending on Friday nights. So I moved it to Saturday for now. It will probably fluctuate between Friday and Saturday for a bit. Once the AHL season starts, it will be a Friday thing because I will be previewing the series uh, leading into Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. I can't keep these half an hour and under because I like sports a lot. I have so much to say about them. I'm so interested in sports. Me trying to talk for under half an hour about sports. I don't know what I was thinking. I can't even go for only half an hour talking about hockey (laughs) once a week. If it was a daily thing, probably would be like 15, 20, 30 minutes but this is a once a week thing. So we're getting the full the full scheme of things from me, the best that I can. First up is the NBA, which is currently in the playoffs. Um semifinals are going on right now. We have the Phoenix Suns playing the Los Angeles Clippers and the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Atlanta Hawks. I personally would love to see the Milwaukee Bucks play the Phoenix Suns. Currently, the Bucks and Hawks are tied 1-1 in the series, while Phoenix leads the Clippers 2-1. Milwaukee's kind of an underdog, in a sense, and I feel like Phoenix is too. Yes, they've had their history of success, but I feel like teams in LA and Atlanta and New York, when it comes to basketball, people really latch on to them and want them to succeed. Milwaukee's just a regular Midwestern kind of town. Everyone's friendly, drinks beer, has bonfires. You know, that's those are my people right there. Milwaukee people, Midwesterners. Phoenix, why not? They have they have some sweet jerseys this year. So that's really the only reason why I want them to play in the finals. I like their jerseys. I think the jersey matchup between the Bucks and the and the Suns would be great. Also, this week was the NBA draft lottery. I was hoping Cleveland would go first, just because it's nice for Cleveland to be first every once in a while. The last time they were first, they got LeBron, and then LeBron dumped us. Then came back and won his championship, and then dumped us again. So sometimes it's nice to be number one, even if it means you're going to get dumped twice by the same person. I don't have any, any ill will about that. I don't have any sadness about that. But the number one pick did go to Detroit. It is probably the first time in history that Cleveland fans didn't say, at least we're not Detroit, because we kind of wanted to be Detroit in this situation. Top three picks, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto is at four, Orlando's at five. Now, Orlando and Golden State have multiple picks in the first round of the draft. It should be interesting to see what they do with them. 
I don't know a ton about basketball right now. I haven't been following along as much now that I've gone full into hockey beat reporting. So we'll take it. It's what it's worth. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the draft because I don't know a lot about the prospects. I don't know a lot about what the teams really need. We'll, we'll kind of go from there. I know what Cleveland wants, what Cleveland needs. I had time to watch a little bit of what Cleveland Cleveland did this season. Hopefully, as the season goes on next year, I'll be a little bit more involved in what the NBA is doing. But I'm not going to lie. I would rather spend my time focused on some of the other sports that don't get talked about as much. But I probably will talk a lot about the NFL when, I, when the season starts. Next up is the MLB. And I know there's a lot to talk about with the races going on, uh, you know, the race for first place going on in all of the divisions. There was this cute thing where Francisco Lindor was mic'd up, which also made my heart hurt because, you know, he's not an Indian now and they just didn't, the Indians didn't want to pay him, which is not, not shocking at all for the Dolans to not want to spend money on a good player or else they would still have many of their good players. But the thing that really swept baseball this week was the umps having to check pitchers for illegal substances. And quite frankly, I know some people said it made it a joke, but it was very enjoyable to watch on television, especially when guys like Max Scherzer decided to just open up his pants. I thought he was going to get naked. I mean, if you want to bring in a whole level of new fans, I guess this is where we're going. Now I'm wondering, could MLB teams make a little extra money by starting an OnlyFans account for some of their pitchers? Because why not? There's a lot of reasons why not. That shouldn't happen. I'm just kidding. I hope people know by now that I kid a lot. But it would be really funny if an MLB team had an OnlyFans Maybe the Indians could make more money and finally keep some of their players. I don't know. Something to think about, Cleveland. Something to think about. <laughs> uh, but it is getting, it is kind of ridiculous when you check someone multiple times in one game. And when I say multiple, I mean like three, four times. Maybe the other team just sucks. Maybe they're not good at hitting. I get that there is this want to make sure that these substances aren't being used. But why are we doing this in the middle of the season? Everyone's having to change things up. Yes, I understand. It's always been illegal. It's always been wrong. They shouldn't have been doing it to begin with. Bad. But in the middle of the season, you want to finally enforce it. Wait till next season. Get everything tightened up. How many times can you ask to pause a game to check a player? What needs to be the rationale behind why you're checking a player? I understand if they're touching their hair too much, if they're going to their belt, if they're like in their glove a little bit too much. Totally understand that. If they're pitching really well and you're checking them multiple times, at some point you have to tell the manager and coach of the other teams to stuff it. Maybe your team needs to learn to hit better. Or maybe this pitcher is legit. It's going to slow the game down, and yes, it is another strategic part, kind of like icing the kicker, which the guys on Am Nation Pod, which you can find on Spotify, they they broke it down two weeks in a row on their sports show, talking about you know why the players should not be using these illegal substances, why it's okay 
that they are cracking down on it. But also some of some other things having to do with, you know, the annoyance of it as well. I I personally, yes, please crack down on it. It's like with steroids. There are players who are good, who are doing everything the right way and they're not being recognized because they're following the rules. And the players who aren't following the rules are being recognized and being praised. So there has to be that balance. But maybe after this season, everything before gets a little asterisk next to it saying, or a little a little mark next to it saying this was when illegal substances were being used for pitching. Trying to do it mid-season, I'm just not a fan of it, mostly because this is the way people have been training. Unfortunately, this is the way that players have been training in the off-season to cheat, essentially. But now, halfway through the season, you're asking them to change up completely how they pitch And some of these people are going to get hurt, partially because they're idiots or their coaches don't actually know how to coach. And that's why they were coaching them how to cheat. So we're going to see a little bit of a different, a difference come next season when everyone has to switch up how they're playing. Not everyone. When a good number of players have to switch up how they're playing and how coaches do switch up how they're coaching. We're going to see who the good pitchers are, who the good coaches are. Because first of all, if you're a coach and you were you were allowing your player to cheat, to cross that line, I understand towing the line. Nothing wrong with towing the line. The moment you touch the line and you cross it, you're a bad coach for allowing it. I'm going to call a spade a spade on that. I don't care if anyone gets mad at me for that because I'm right. You're a bad coach if you're teaching your, your players to cross the line, to touch the line. What's strategic about cheating? Nothing. All of these people had a lot to say about the Houston Astros and how they cheated, yet you knowingly were cheating. So shut your mouth about the Astros because you don't have the right to complain about cheating when you're cheating every game. That's how it is. That's all I have to say about the MLB right now. Actually, no, that's a lie. I saw the MLB All-Star game jerseys and they're ugly. I wanted to pour bleach in my eyes so that I would never have to see those again and then realize that like it's imprinted in my brain. So there's really no way to get rid of it unless I just choose never to think about them again. But they're ugly. They're disgusting. I don't I don't get how organizations can have millions of dollars at their disposal and continue to take these ugly routes, these boring, boring routes and ugly routes. I want someone to go off, off base. I want to have a cool all-star game jersey. I want something that's either super bright or like, why can't we have like a hot pink one? Give me a hot pink. Give me something like super 80s. You know, let's go for that. Some people are going to be upset about it, but it's going to be different and it's going to look good. I want something that looks good. If you're going to be different, it better look good. If you're not going to be different, it better look good. Basically, it better look good. I feel like when it comes to designing jerseys for special events or even for teams, they do it so fast and it happens. It's like someone waited till the last minute and had to pull a design out their ass with like five minutes to go. It's like when I turned in a 
it's like when I went to the computer lab 10 minutes before a class to pound out a two-page paper, turn it in, and I got like a B on it, which is nice, a B, but if you are an organization, a professional organization, you should be shooting for like an A++ in a honors course. So you better be shooting for that 5.0 instead of a 4.0. What we constantly are delivered across sports, across the MLB, even the NHL, NFL, NBA, sometimes they'll get the mark right, but most of the time they just deliver fans a platter of poop and say, you're going to buy it because it's a once in a lifetime thing. It's for this all-star game. It's not going to happen again. And people do. They eat it up. At some point, I want fans to just not buy crap. Don't spend the money on it. I don't care if it has your favorite team on it. I don't care if it's for an all-star game you're attending. I know you want the memory, but at some point, you have to show them that it, they're not going to make money on it because it's ugly, because it's lame, because it's not different, and because it's ugly. Ugly. It's insulting that organizations would put out something so ugly and so meaningless and expect people to drop hundreds of dollars on it. Listen, and I'll be the first to say, I hated the Cavs City jerseys this year when they launched them. I was like, it literally looks like somebody wrote a ransom note. They cut letters out of a magazine and taped it onto a jersey and said, hey, this is a great idea. We should do it. And then they go, oh, we only have two minutes to get this idea in. So yes. But once they explained it, the different bands and the rock hall, I liked it a little bit more because it had meaning. Then in person, they actually looked good. I was very surprised by how they looked in person. They looked very good. Some teams also will put out a will put out a marketing promo with the jersey that they're going to be rocking and they edit it so much that you're like, man, that's a sweet jersey. And then you see it and you're like, that, that shit, I'm not putting that on my body. I am not wearing that. I No, never. So it's insulting. If you're going to go outside the box, it better mean something. You know, the Cavs one, they went outside the box. They did something new. They did something original. I didn't like it at first. And once I realized how meaningful it was, I went along for the ride. I don't think anything meaningful came from these all-star jerseys for the for the MLB. They're ugly. They're trash. They make me want to puke. That is the nicest thing. That is the most censored thing that I can say about that. So don't buy them. If you don't like them, don't buy them. And if you don't like it and you buy it, I'm going to roast you every day for the rest of your life. I will ask you, if I see you, a random person, I'm going to say, hey, did you like that when it came out? And if they say no, I'm going to roast you for wearing something that you don't like just because it's from that event. No. No. Just say no. Just don't do it. Don't give them the money. Don't give them the feeling that they can continue to put crap in front of the fans and people will buy it. Don't allow it. You don't have to put up with it. 
And I know that there are some people who are going to say, well, why don't you design one? Because I'm bad at it. I'm not going to design one. I'll give you an idea for a design, but I physically cannot design things. I don't think I have that button. I can write you something. I can sing you something, write you a song. I might be able to draw something a little bit. When it comes to doing clothing design or anything that's in depth more than like cartoonish, I am not going to be able to do it. And I understand that. And so I don't put something out for people to buy. Whoever came up with that should be embarrassed. Also, if you did, you're listening to this and you came up with it, I, I encourage you to think more outside the box. You can probably be better than that. That is why you have the job that you do because you obviously are very talented. So don't be afraid to use your talents to put something out there that is beautiful and unique and encapsulates the sport of baseball. I am encouraging you to grow and be better at what you're doing. That's all I ask. Now after that rant, we are moving on to an even better sport, softball. So Athletes Unlimited is underway right now with their first ever tryouts that are happening right now in Rosemont, Illinois, which is exciting. Last year, there weren't any tryouts. Um, I don't actually remember how they picked who was going to play and who wasn't, um, but this is pretty exciting. It means it's becoming more real. It's becoming more viable and more people want to play for them, which I don't. I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I, if I was still playing softball at that high level, I would want to play for Athletes Unlimited as well. Um, not only that, but we have since learned that Sam Fisher, the rise ball queen, is coming back for another season. And Riley Sarton is also going to be joining the league this year. She is incredible. She's an incredible middle infielder. They just put up this video the other day on AU Pro Sports for Twitter um, where she and Noah Vaughn, who is her husband, were pitching to each other and they both were knocking him out of the park and doing bat flips. It's great. You should watch the video. I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes. I don't have a lot to say about Athletes Unlimited right now. Um, the seasons are slowly starting. Tickets are on sale for lacrosse and softball. So if you go to auprosports.com, you'll be able to buy them. Like I said before, the softball is taking place in Rosemont, Illinois, and the women's lacrosse is taking place at Maureen Hendricks Field in Washington, D.C. First game of the lacrosse season for Athletes Unlimited is on July 23rd. They're at 5 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. They will be broadcasted on CBS Sports Network. Also, the next day on July 24th, they the 12 p.m. game will be on FS1 and the 3 p.m. game will be on YouTube. Same thing with 725 the 12 p.m. game will be on FS1, while the 3 p.m. game will be on YouTube. 
kind of exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. I love men's lacrosse. I know women's lacrosse is a little bit different, um, but I'm really looking forward to diving into that a little bit more. I don't know about any of the players, so this is really going to be, you are going to be learning about lacrosse, women's lacrosse and their players through me, who is also learning about it. So we're learning together. So if you know more about something, please let me know and I'll have you on as well. And we can talk about all, all of this, um, all of this with Athletes Unlimited and what it means to the game. So feel free to reach out to me if you know a little bit more about lacrosse, because I, I would love to talk to you about women's lacrosse. I, I know that there's some differences between the men's and women's. I know that there there's a little um, less contact as well, but tell me about your favorite players and I will tell you about mine as the time goes on. Obviously, I'm going to do research and look up film because I'm, I'm very interested in this. This should be, this will be fun. This will be fun. We're all going to go through it together. Now with Athletes Unlimited, I would love to bring you more about volleyball. I actually really enjoy volleyball. A lot of people in my family play volleyball. Um, I've gotten to learn a lot about it over the past like 20 years. It's just, it's a great sport. Unfortunately, their season takes place usually like the end of February to the end of March, which is prime time for the American Hockey League, where games are being played every other day, it feels like. So as much as I'll want to keep you updated about volleyball, I don't think I'll be able to. So I'll do my best with that if you're a volleyball fan and you're wondering why I'm also not covering the volleyball portion of Athletes Unlimited. That's why, because I'm going to be covering four teams this season, breaking down highlights, breaking down the way players are playing. You know, it's going to be really hard to add another sport into the mix on that. I will obviously keep up to date on what players are going to be in there and points what teams are winning. It's based on like colored team. So this past season they had yellow, orange, blue, and purple. And like I said, every week there's different captains. And so the teams change and and they have leaderboards with, with points, win points, stat points, MVP points, total points. It's a really cool thing. So I'll keep you up to date on that when it comes around, but it won't be in depth in the way that I'm going to do with lacrosse and with softball. So if you are a big volleyball fan, I'm very sorry. I won't be able to give it the recognition that it deserves when it's going on in that season. I will be willing to have people on to talk about it. So if you love volleyball, if you love Athletes Unlimited and you want to talk about the different players, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's get together. This is this is the whole point. I want to bring more sports to people, and I love sports, and I want more women's sports out there. So if you have an interest, I want to talk to you. I'm probably going to say that like 12 more times during, during, during this episode. I don't apologize. Speaking of women's sports, the NWHL had a really big week. I actually was not expecting that. So initially, they were not on my list this week of things to talk about. However, they said, oh, you're not going to talk about us? Here's all the news. <laughs> and it's it's not just, oh, a signing here, a signing there. This is, 
Madison Packer, the captain of the New York Riveters, re-signed for another season. Soroya Tinker, who is just, oh God, she's such a phenomenal player and she's very outspoken in a good way. She sticks up for what is right. She will not waver on that. She won't be shut up. She won't be quieted. So off the ice, amazing human. On the ice, she is a phenomenal defender. She's got great hands. And when I say that for people who don't know much about hockey, it means that her ability to handle the puck and move the puck back and forth, to move it around the ice, like she's got she's got smooth hands. And for a defender, that is very important because that means that she can creep in steal a puck, set up a play, or sneak in, steal a puck, and shoot it. She has a strong shot. And I don't mean heavy. I don't mean the kind of shot that makes your bones quiver in fear. I'm talking it is accurate and it just cuts through, cuts through the air and cuts across the ice. You might not even know it's coming because she is that smooth as a player. She's also really good at setting up plays. She's not an offensive defender. She's more of a defensive defender. So that's where stealing pucks come in handy, um, blocking shots, all of that. She literally lays it out there on the ice night after night. The Toronto Six, they they upgraded their blue line with her and she's going to be a gem for them to have off the ice. And I think she will help in the leadership aspect as well. Just a great, a great addition. Now the Toronto Six also had another update. They made Angela James their assistant coach. Oh, Angela James is so great to have as a coach. First of all, Angela James was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Hockey Hall of Fame, in 2010, becoming the first Canadian woman to be inducted. James was also, was at the time, and is still the only black player to be named as captain of Canada's national team. That is incredible because you would think by now that maybe more black players would have gotten that option because there are so many leaders in the black community who play hockey, Soroya Tinker being one of them. I mean, if you just look her up, you will simply see where she trailblazed a path for both women and black women in the sport of hockey. So it is a huge deal that she was named the assistant coach. Now, even better, okay, Angela James is incredibly patient. And the hockey IQ on James is just off the charts. I mean, I would love to be in that room, a fly on the wall in any game, listening to her break down the game. I would love it. I wish that I was going to be covering the Toronto Six this season so I could sit in on post games or interviews to just pick the brain of such a phenomenal athlete who is now coaching. Sometimes coaches, sometimes great players cannot transition into coaching. That is not the case for her. 
when you have this IQ, when you have this understanding of the game and what it takes to be successful, you will do well as a coach, especially with that patience and the ability to translate it to people who aren't necessarily your level of playing. The Toronto Six, I'm calling it now, they're going to win the Isabel Cup in 2022. Mark it down. Mark it down. Bet on the Six. Bet on them. So the Connecticut Whale had two big signings this week, and that is Alexis Moet as the general manager and Laura Brennan to serve as the assistant GM. Now, one great thing about Alexis is she founded the New York Islanders Girls Elite Organization in 2016, which I think is phenomenal. If you're really going to grow the sport, you know, it is great to be involved with with youth hockey, because that is where women, where the women's sports starts to struggle when it comes to hockey. You see it across the country, how many girls are playing with boys. And then when they start checking or hitting, they're no longer playing with the boys because the women's rules are different. There, there isn't that, um, you don't see the hits the same way because, well, they're not allowed. Really excited to see what these two bring to the table this season for the 2021-22 season. I'm excited to see what happens with the Connecticut Whale. I think they have the chance to be contenders, but not contender enough because, like I said, Toronto Six are winning it all. That's what I have to say. The Buffalo Buttes have added defender Dominique Kremer to their blue line. I don't know a lot about Kremer. But last year, she played overseas, and I really love this quote that they put in the press release about why Dominique wanted to come to the NWHL and sign here. She said, I decided to sign with the Buffalo Buttes in the NWHL because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. I am confident that by partaking in this league, I can inspire the younger generation of girls to one day become a butte too. This has given me another opportunity to hopefully showcase my abilities on and off the ice. Now, oftentimes in the first six seasons of the of the NWHL, you heard a lot of people say they wanted to do it just for the girls. They wanted the girls to have a place to play one day, to look up to to look forward to playing one day as well. And this is one of the first times I've really seen someone sign and say that this gives them the opportunity to hopefully showcase their abilities. We are now at the point in the NWHL where players are coming here and seeing it as a viable option to furthering their career in hockey. And that is something that they have wanted since day one. I love it. I am so excited. I covered the NWHL in the very first season, the inaugural season, and I saw the potential and the growth, but people kept saying it's a way to a stepping stone that one day girls will come here because they know they can. And now we're hearing, I came here because I know I can, because I'm going to be great. This is a viable league and I love it. And it's so exciting. And I'm just, it makes me even more excited for the season to start because we are now hitting seven seasons in 
We are now hitting players who are coming to the to the NWHL because they view it as a viable organization, because they want to be here, because they want to continue playing hockey, because they know that they can, and because they know it will lead to something more with their career. And that is beautiful. And as a woman, I love hearing that. And it it to have that happen within the first decade is just so exciting. It's so exciting. I'm so jazzed right now. I wish that it was already time for the season to start, but it's not. So I'm going to have to keep my excitement down a little or else I'm going to go a little crazy. (laughs) There were a lot of signings that happened this week. I just, I touched on the ones that were the most exciting to me, the most, I I feel like that will bring a lot more to the game and to the fans right now. I hope that you all continue to watch the NWHL. And if you haven't, please start. Like I said, they put a lot of games on Twitch. Twitch is amazing. So just keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing, NWHL, because you're going to get all these new people. So watch them on Twitch. Eventually, I think we'll see them on TV, television more on either NBC Sports Network or maybe even CBS. We'll see where it goes. I don't know. If you want to get your first taste of the NWHL and what it's like to be a fan of these organizations, the draft is on Tuesday, June 29th at 7 p.m. Go to twitch.tv slash NWHL. It'll be a good time. I'll be on there. I'll be watching. I'll be tweeting from at I'm a rain dancer. Follow along. You're I'm telling you, it's this great community of fans. It's a great community of people that cover it, of media. It's just great people in general, and it's a great sport. Make sure you carve out time on Tuesday, June 29th at 7 p.m. to watch the draft. That's all. That's all I'm asking. Now we are going to segue into the National Hockey League. The Stanley Cup playoffs are in full effect. Montreal is on to the finals for the first time since 1993. So that's been a few decades. I want to see a Canadian team win the finals. I was hoping that the Islanders would take down Tampa Bay. I'm not the biggest fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but... They did not. Tampa Bay is going on. They won 1-0 to zero on Friday night. And it's it stinks for the Islanders the way that goal was scored. It was a simple breakdown. And when I say simple breakdown is one, Yanni Gore scored, scored the goal. You should always have your eyes on him, whether he is on or off the ice. You need to know what he's doing what he's planning because one, he will sit on the doorstep all day. He will sit on the doorstep. He will put his big booty on that doorstep and he will knock in rebounds all day long, but he will also fly under the radar during a line change and score a goal, which is what happened. I'm going to break this down really quick for everyone that follows hockey who doesn't understand what I'm saying about why this was a horrible goal. And it was a beautiful goal. Yanni Gord is good at hockey. Very good. It was 
When I say horrible, I mean it was very preventable. Three of the Islanders had their eyes on the puck carrier. I cannot remember offhand who the puck carrier was for Tampa Bay at that moment. Because they had all of their attention on one guy, the Lightning were able to do a very quick line change, which allowed Donnie Gord to get on the ice undetected and have them pass the puck off to him and race it down and just snipe it into the net. First of all, three people in general should not have their eyes on one player. It doesn't matter how good a player is. Hockey is notoriously a team sport. A fourth liner should not be anyone from top to bottom, first line center to a fourth line winger should not be underestimated. There's a reason why they're playing in the NHL, and that's because they're good. Secondly, you need to know when line changes are happening. They had no clue that the line change was happening because they were so focused on this one person. That's when your peripheral vision and situational awareness of what's going on on the ice is valuable. It's sad that that is how the season ended for the Islanders. Also, Matt Barzell missed a few open nets and a few rebounds. A few of the other guys on the Islanders did as well towards the end of the night. I'm sure they're going to have nightmares about this game. And while it did not seem like a fun, air quotes, fun game, it seemed like it was air quotes, boring there were this is a game that you could show to people learning hockey or learning how to play hockey and show them highlight the mistakes that were made that could have turned the game around they also the islanders also struggled in the neutral zone one thing that the islanders caught onto and why they made it to a game 7 is the fact that Tampa Bay actually struggles in the neutral zone. If you can strip them of the puck in the neutral zone, you're going to be fine. If you can prevent them from getting in the neutral zone, you're going to be fine. The moment they make it out of that neutral zone, it's over. It's over. They're thriving. They're vibing. They're throwing pucks on net. They're slamming bodies into the wall to create plays. I mean, you have to lock them down by center ice or else that's it game's going to be over for you and that's another place that the islanders struggled in game seven i'm very sad to see that they had that breakdown because they did play fairly well for the most part they have a lot of potential the islanders could be good next year i hope that they take a lot of lessons from here and learn to be more situationally situationally aware on the ice of what's going down because as we've learned from Tampa Bay you have to watch those line changes and you have to keep your guy your eyes on guys like Gord oh my goodness he's so phenomenal I want to because of what he did to the Blue Jackets last year I want to dislike him immensely but he's just good he's good at what he does he knows what he, he knows where to place his body he knows where to be he knows people are going to underestimate him 
He and Giovanni Smith. Giovanni Smith from Grand Rapids plays a very similar game. Big dudes and somehow manage to sneak under the radar because they know when people aren't paying attention. Those are the kind of players that people don't realize are so good until you get them in a situation like a game seven and you've got distracted by the bright, shiny object and you just have Yanni Gord fly off the bench, take off with the puck and score a goal. Giovanni Smith does that stuff too. So if you're playing, if you're an AHL player and you're listening to this and you play against Grand Rapids next year and Giovanni is still there, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him because he's good. He is so good. He and Yanni Gord, I just love the way they play. They're so good. They fly under the radar and they will destroy your life. And by that, I mean you won't win a game when they're on and no one pays attention to them, you're not winning that game. No way. So with that being said, the Stanley Cup Finals start on Monday, June 28th at 8 p.m. Then it goes to Wednesday, June 30th, also at 8 p.m. In fact, all of the games are at 8 p.m. with the exception of the 7 p.m. game 7 on July 11th, that's a Sunday. Not really sure why they deviated from that. It's the NHL. I don't question them because they're never going to give me the answer I want anyways. They play in Tampa Bay for game one and two. They play in Montreal for games three and four. And then they go Tampa Bay, Montreal, Tampa Bay, five, six, seven. I am curious, though, how quarantine and all of that works. I know I didn't really pay attention to that when they when Montreal played against Vegas, but they play Wednesday, June 30th in Tampa Bay two days later. So there's a day off for travel. They go to Montreal and play in Montreal. I know Canada has been really tight with their with their quarantines and stuff. So I'm not really sure how that works. I heard there's a bubble they have to stay in, but I feel like that bubble doesn't count if you're playing in Tampa Bay and then going to Montreal. So for the second round of the playoffs, Tampa Bay had 13,500 people in the stands. I'm not sure if they have have brought that up even more, but I'm not sure how that goes with quarantine. You're saying, hey, Montreal, you guys stay in this bubble. Tampa Bay, you guys stay in this bubble. But you're going to play in a stadium full of 13,000 plus people. Then you're going to you're gonna cross the border and play in Montreal. I just, I feel like there's a lot of room for error there. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on it. It doesn't really make sense to me. But I digress. The Seattle Kraken have named their first head coach of their team, Dave Haxtell. Here is why Dave Haxtell is an interesting choice. And I mean interesting in a good way. First of all, he is an assistant coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs for like the past two seasons. He used to coach the Philadelphia Flyers. But here's the best part. And I have been saying this for since Seattle even was thought of as becoming a team. TJ Oshie I believe will end up there. And I keep saying it. I've said it for since they've even thought about having Seattle have a team is 
TJ Oshie wants to go back to that area. His dad did some work in hockey, and I think it was like roller hockey too, in the Seattle area. Now, here's what's even more fun to hear. Hackstall used to coach at the University of North Dakota. For those of you who don't know, that's where, yes, Jonathan Taze went, but also T.J. Oshie. He also, not only was his coach, he became his mentor in life. So if T.J. Oshie wants to end his career on a high note after winning a Stanley Cup, what better way than to go back to Seattle, a place that his dad loved and a place that he also loves, to play for his former coach than to go back to Seattle. I think that's going to happen. Whether the Capitals work out a way to leave him exposed so he can take him or they work out some sort of trade, I'm not sure how that will work out. But mark it down now. By the time TJ Oshie retires, he will be playing for the Seattle Kraken. He will finish his career in Seattle. Mark that down. Jot that down. The expansion draft for the Kraken will be on July 21st. That's the scheduled date. The same rules that happened with the Vegas Golden Knights will be applied to this one. Everyone will be partaking in this draft of offering up their players for Seattle to pick from, except the Vegas Golden Knights, which I have an issue with. I understand it. They're brand new. You don't want to deplete them. They're still trying to get something going. Oh, but it's Vegas. In their first season, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to the Washington Capitals. The next year, they lost in the first round of the playoffs. The third year, they lost in the conference finals. And then this year, which is their fourth year in existence, they lost in the Stanley Cup semifinals to the Montreal Canadiens. Now, tell me that Vegas needs to be exempt from this draft because I'm going to tell you right now, that rule should change. There should be an amendment that if you are a new team and you make it into the Stanley Cup playoffs four out of four times, since you started 100% of the time since you became a team, you should not be exempt. If you make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in the first year of your existence and then make it to the semifinals in your fourth year of existence, you should not be exempt from the expansion draft. So yes, I believe... Strongly, I will die on this hill that as much as I enjoy the Vegas Golden Knights, they should be in the expansion draft. They should have to leave players unprotected. They should have to figure out who they want to leave up there and whose bridge they might want to burn. And they should have to wheel and deal. Because guess what? You made it into the playoffs four times in the four years you've been around, and you made it deep in the playoffs three of those four years, and you went to the finals in the first year. No, 
you're fine. You're going to be fine. Leaving players exposed and losing one player to the Seattle Kraken is not going to break you down. It's not going to hurt you. They should be involved. I will die on that hill. I will talk about this until the day that I die. Every time an expansion draft comes up, I will talk about the time that somehow Vegas magically got to stay out because they're a new team, but they're a really good new team. It's not like they haven't made the playoffs. It's not like they've had horrible losing streaks. They they had a 109-point season, their first ever season. They have never had below an 80-point season, and that's including when they had a 71 games played and 56 games played. Tell me, tell me how any of this is fair to the entire league. We clearly know who the league's favorite is, and that's Vegas. Now, speaking of teams that didn't do well in the first four seasons of their existence, the Columbus Blue Jackets hired an assistant coach to go with their new coach, their new head coach, Brad Larson. Their assistant coach is Pascal Vincent, who has been the head coach of the AHL's Manitoba Moose for the past five seasons. He will probably fit in pretty well here in Columbus. He is good with the power play, and he, Jack, you know, he did let Jack Roslevic, Roslevic fly free on the ice. I think we will see a little bit more of a solid special teams from the Blue Jackets with him around. He also knows how to develop players. He gives them a little bit more of an edge. The Manitoba Moose tends to be a very feisty team. I'm curious to see how that translates to the Blue Jackets. If we'll see a feistier Max Domi, if we'll see a little bit more pushing and shoving, it will be it will be interesting. He knows how to take what a player has and elevate it to the next level. And then after they've elevated the positives to the next level, he focuses on the negative and tries to figure out how to fix it, which comes in handy when it comes to confidence of players. So I am I am interested to see how this works out. Now, in the American Hockey League, uh, there was a few things that happened from teams that I cover or things that are notable. The Monsters brought back forwards Justin Scott and Tristan Mullen. It's always exciting to me when they bring back Justin Scott because he entered his professional career when I started writing about men's professional hockey so it's been kind of cool to have the same person there since I started covering the Monsters in 2016. It's been nice to see him grow as a leader and a player. So welcome back, Justin. I'm glad to have you back. Tristan Mullen, another another forward, like I said. He came over after finishing with the University of Vermont. He ended up being a pretty big presence on the ice during his 15 games with the with the Monsters. Nothing really off the charts, but towards the end of the season, as things started to click and go, he definitely proved um, he definitely proved what he could bring to the table. He knows how to set up a play, but he also knows how to be open. He knows how to set up a play for guys like Carson Meyer, um, Adam Haluka, even Wyatt Newpower when he was here. He knew how to set up plays for those guys who always know how to find the back of the net. 
He was he is a welcome addition to his second season with the team. I look forward to seeing what else he brings to the table as he continues to grow. That's really all I have for the AHL right now. Sometimes it gets quiet. The thing with the AHL is uh the things get quiet and then everything explodes all at once. <laughs> and it, when it comes to schedules, when it comes to free agency signings, a lot of it stems around what will be happening with the NHL. So you will see a lot of news come out closer to the expansion draft and during the draft. You'll see a lot of movement. Don't get attached to any of your players, any of your team's players this year, because honestly, between the expansion draft, between free agency, you're going to see a lot of players come, a lot of players go. And also, recently we've seen it feels like more players than normal are going overseas and signing contracts. I don't know if if this season made some players realize that uh, you're seeing a lot of veterans, but you're also seeing a lot of young guys go over there, uh, young guys who have a ceiling. So I don't know if and you're seeing it with um, a lot of AHL-only contracts as well. So I think what's happening is these players are seeing – I think what's happening is these players are seeing – what's in the pipeline for that NHL team and what like their that parent club's NHL team and they're recognizing that there might not be a space for them. And some teams I know are not really signing players until after the draft because they need to assess what's going to happen in the expansion draft and what they're going to be able to get in this year's draft. There was scouting and people got to see a lot of film, but the past two seasons for the kids that are going to be drafted in this year's entry draft was very weird. You know, some of them didn't get to finish in the 2019-2020 season. Some of them didn't get to finish their seasons in the 2020-2021 season. It was either very shortened or they didn't really have one at all and they were playing other places. They were leaving college or they were leaving their junior teams and they were going, you know, playing overseas at some to with some junior style teams over there. I think what we're going to end up seeing drafted a lot of are people who went undrafted in years before a lot of overseas players and people from the U.S. national program. I feel like we're going to see that also. The University of Michigan, they have three guys that will likely go in the first round of the draft, which is actually pretty exciting, even though, um, which is actually pretty exciting to see uh, a Big Ten school have so pump out so many in one year. It will be an interesting draft, but I think because of that, if you're on the bubble, if you're a bubble player, or if you're a veteran who's been around for a while, you're recognizing what's happening and that it's time for you to go right now and sign a contract before you can't sign one at all. Another thing I've noticed is some teams are very good about knowing what they have in the AHL, whether or not the NHL team has them under a contract or not. What I mean by that is, you know, there are monsters who are not under contract with the Blue Jackets. They are under contract with the monsters only. There are teams in this league who 
who I realized don't actually pay attention to the AHL only players in their system or give them the benefit of the doubt that they're actually good or even closely watch them enough. A great example of that is Yanni Gord. He was playing for San Jose's Sharks AHL farm team, the Worcester Sharks out of Massachusetts back in 2014 on a professional tryout contract for 25 games. While he was there, he was had a point-per-game scoring streak. When his PTO expired that March, the Lightning signed him to a contract. The Tampa Bay Lightning signed him to a contract. So the Tampa Bay Lightning knew what was going on with an AHL-only player on a, on a PTO on a professional tryout contract and signed him. And the Sharks, granted, across the other side of the country did not sign him. You think at a certain point you would find a way to lock this kind of player down because look what he's doing now. He's helping them get in the playoffs. He's helping them win playoffs. An NHL team win playoffs. And he came in as an undrafted player who was on a PTO. He wasn't even on like a solid standard player contract. He was on a professional tryout contract. There's a huge difference in that. That means that Worcester took a chance on him. And San Jose's like, okay. And Tampa Bay was like, oh, sign me up. We want some of this. When you realize that the team that you're playing for's farm team is not really keeping a focus even on AHL only players or PTO players, and that's the only team it feels like that's going to want to sign you, you're going to go overseas because you're going to want that experience and your eyes are going to be in front of those scouts. Your eyes are going to be in front of scouts that that it doesn't matter if you're an AHL-only player or if you're on a PTO, that you're overseas and the overseas scouts, the European scouts, the Russian scouts, the, the scouts that they send to Italy and Swiss, Switzerland, like they, they are keeping their eye on you as a whole. You know, and, and that's where scouting it. And I'm going to do a whole separate, um, a whole separate episode on scouting, and how I think some scouting could be done better in the NHL and the AHL, and just in hockey in general. Um, on another episode, but this is just proof that sometimes the scouting is just it's minimal, and they do the bare minimum. But you can tell which teams are doing great scouting based on how they also bring players in from their own organization, as well as seeing what AHL teams, what their AHL team is playing against. You know, a good example of that is Detroit. Stevie Eiserman has great scouts, has great personnel. I don't know whose idea it was to sign Wyatt Newpower, to a contract, but they were smart. They saw the way he manhandled the Grand Rapids Griffins and they signed him. A good scout is going to also look at what you're playing against and swoop in the way that Tampa Bay did to the Worcester Sharks when that contract was ending. And a good scout will also fight for you to, to turn this AHL's contract into a two-way so you don't lose them. Look at where Tampa Bay is at. 
look where San Jose is at right now. There's a difference, and that's part of the reason. Now, finally, we are on to the Olympics portion of this episode. Sorry, I just did a little dance. I'm really excited about the Olympics. I actually kind of wish you guys could have seen the dance. It was really weird. It was, it was pretty epic. I should probably start filming these so when I do dance, I can put them out there for you. The Olympics start Friday, July 23rd and ends Sunday, August 8th. And this is where I think that hockey is always really stupid. The draft for hockey is on Friday, July 23rd and Saturday, July 24th. If you want people to be watching your league all the time, why are you fighting for airtime with the Olympics? Something that people are highly anticipating because it was supposed to happen last year. I think that sometimes the NHL shoots themselves in the foot. Just right in the foot. Am I going to watch the NHL draft? It depends on what's going on with the Olympics. I'll probably just follow along on Twitter. Because it's the Olympics. We get to see them once every so many years. Now that I'm done ranting about that, we'll actually talk about the Olympics. (laughs) The team rosters are starting to trickle out for this upcoming Olympics. As of Friday, 478 athletes have qualified for the U.S. Olympic team. There should be around 500 total when the opening ceremonies happen on July 23rd. The Team USA 12-man roster for the Olympics for the NBA was announced with guys like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, Bam Adebayo, I always say his name wrong, I apologize, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Jeremiah Grant, and Kevin Love. Kevin Love, who has barely played a full season for the Cavs the past two years. He is a gem, and he's he's pretty American. Uh, when I think of America, I think of him or Phil Kessel, sometimes both, flying on a bald eagle, drinking a Budweiser. These are things I think about. I do find it interesting that LeBron James has decided not to do the Olympics. I wish, I'm not always, I I go in stages with LeBron, like I'm not always the biggest fan. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. To be fair, I had to watch him destroy my high school basketball team for four seasons. I live near Akron. He's done a lot of great things for the community, but he's also broken my heart multiple times by leaving and the first time leaving the way he did. So I'm always in this weird wishy-washy way where I try to like love what he's done for the sport, but also get upset that he he's LeBron. <laughs> but I find it interesting that he, yes, he also said he wanted to recover from the season, but also that he wanted to promote Space Jam. I get it, but you're LeBron James. You really don't have to promote Space Jam. Everybody knows who you are, and you could promote it on a more nat and a more international stage by going to the Olympics because people are going to talk about that, right? Like they're going to talk about LeBron James and Space Jam too. Or go with me here. They could have pushed Space Jam. They could have either moved Space Jam up or pushed Space Jam back until after the Olympics. There's only so many more times LeBron's going to be able to play in the Olympics. 
And so maybe this is his, maybe he is slowing down. Maybe he doesn't want to play basketball as much anymore. And he really is kind of holding out until his son gets drafted and they can play together. And then he'll retire. I could see that. It's just the Olympics comes around every so often. I know movies come around every so often. I just wish that he had decided to play. I don't know much about the women's soccer team. I enjoy watching them. They're pretty fun, the U.S. women's national team. Um, I do know who Megan Rapinoe is because she's awesome. And Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, they all made the team. Also, Julie Ertz, Rose Lavelle, phenomenal players. I don't know um, much about some of these other players. Like I said, I don't really watch soccer that much, but I'm really interested. It's always fun to watch them play, though. Like Even though I don't know a lot about the sport, um, it's always really fun to watch them play. They're pretty fun and passionate. I think it's what it is. They bring that passion to the game, and it makes it more exciting. Now, I don't know um, a lot about the WNBA. I wish I did. I saw that I saw their roster. I saw the 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 basketball roster for the women's basketball roster. I was pretty excited to see names like Brittany Griner, Sue Bird, Skylar Diggins Smith. Brianna Stewart, you know, Diana Tresari. I'm so excited to see them play. I never, because of when their season falls, I never really get to see them play as much. Super pumped to have time to really watch them play other than, you know, a, a clip on Instagram here or there, or on Twitter here or there. I, I was confused, though, because a name that always came up in conversation when people talk about the WNBA is Neka Owumake. Yet somehow she was left off the list. And so I thought maybe, maybe this athlete, maybe Owumake is just a fan favorite that isn't the best of the best. So I did some research and then I stumbled upon a lot of interesting facts. And so that doesn't make sense to me. WNBA MVP. Six-time All-Star, four times All-WNBA, four times WNBA All-Defensive Team, EuroLeague Champion, WNP, WNBPA President, and went to every Team USA camp the last five years. I'm sure I'm missing some other things. It sounds like they are a phenomenal player. So why were they left off? of the list. I'm unsure. I know that there, you know, there's team chemistry. I know that when it comes to making rosters, there's team chemistry, there's all of that. But when you look through Twitter and you see the different conversations people are having, uh, players who are having with each other about this snub off the roster list, it makes me think that there are no issues with camaraderie. There are no issues with skill. It, this seems like a misstep. I'm curious to see how the media goes with this going on. I'm curious to see what storylines they take, if people will bring it up throughout the Olympics, and if they will bring it up throughout next WNBA season. Currently, the Olympic trials for gymnastics is going on. Simone Biles is just going up the leaderboard like no other. I don't think anyone is even shocked. She continues to 
be better, to get better, to defy gravity, to defy physics. Some of her tumbles are just incredible. And her her worst one is always the uneven bars, and she still scored very well. So she is primed to make it to Tokyo. And it would be a shame if she didn't make it. She is such a lovely person to watch do gymnastics. I She brings so much flair, so much spunk, and so much passion. I think that's the one thing I love about the Olympics is, like I said earlier, about the U.S. women's national team in soccer is how much they lay out night after night. So I think that's what makes the Olympics so exciting is how much of their passion they lay out on the mat, in the water, on the track. It's what makes it fun. Now, another person I'm really excited to see, too, is Shakari Richardson. I have never seen someone so happy while running, while actually running. The 100 meter is no joke. You have to be incredibly fast. I also adore that she ran in a wig. I don't know how many people run in a wig, but wigs are hot as hell. It is the Summer Olympics, and she's exercising and running and sweating in a wig. And I'm here for it. Also, is Tangerine Color. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give a shit what you think about her. She is out there doing her passion. She also had these beautiful fake eyelashes on when she was running, too. I got to tell you, that is one thing when I was younger. I thought that as a woman or a girl, you, you had to play and just essentially look like crap all the time. Once I started working for the Akron Racers, a few of the girls would just, they look so good and put together and... It's okay to look like a woman when you're playing the sport. It's okay to look feminine. It's okay to look pretty. It's okay to look beautiful. And I love it. And I hope that a generation of girls look at Shikari Richardson and say, I'm beautiful. I can play sports. I can look beautiful while I'm playing in the sport. And it not be judged as being vain or being is being quote-unquote princess-like or high-maintenance. I hope a whole generation of girls, or even boys or anyone, I hope a whole generation of children look at Shikari Richardson looking fabulous, incredibly fabulous, while competing in a sport and say, I want to look like that too. I want to embrace myself. There is nothing wrong with looking pretty or looking beautiful while competing in a sport. And I love it. I love it so much. But at the same time, we're not going to reduce Shikari Richardson down to looks. Phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. She did the 100 meter in 10.86 seconds. Listen, I don't even know if I could walk across my house in 10.86 seconds and it is definitely not 100 meters. And I, I also love when she's running. Like, she's just a strong runner. She's just so muscular. and But when she runs, it's so smooth and light and free. Shikari Richardson was born to run. That That's a fact. I'm fairly positive. I can't imagine another universe where she is not running because 
her posture, the way she holds her body, the way she controls it. If you are a runner who is trying to get the mechanics down, I want you to slow it down. I want you to watch her running in slow motion because it's so crisp, it's so clean, it's so effortless looking, which obviously means that there's a lot of effort put into it. But I think you runners could learn a lot from her, but also, like I said, she's so happy. She's so zoned in, but happy and passionate about her running. Like I keep saying, and I'm going to keep saying about the Olympics, the passion that they bring elevates their skill to the next level. I'm so excited to see how far Shikari Richardson goes in the Olympics. It's going to be a blast. There's no way around it. Now, there's a lot of other things that I will be diving a little bit more into. We'll dive more into softball as it goes on because I'm so excited to see Kat Osterman play. She's such a phenomenal player. Monica Abbott is one of the best pitchers in the world. Kelsey Stewart, Amanda Chedister, Ellie Aguilar. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like basically crying over this list of softball players because I've loved watching them, them play. I love their mechanics. I'm really excited to see the other. I know people are excited to see swimming and, you know, the gymnastics, tennis, the track and field. I am really excited to see things like water polo sailing, rugby, oh, fencing and equestrian. Okay, equestrian is just, it's always lit. Something cool is always happening. And beach volleyball, I love beach volleyball more than the regular volleyball. I'm not sure why. I think it, I think it's just because it's like usually two people and it's, it's a lot of fun. It feels like summer. <laughs> and then I don't know what artistic swimming is. But that's also an event, and I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about archery. I used to do archery when I was a lot younger, um, but then kind of veered away from it as I went into other sports like softball and such. But the Olympics are going to be lit. They're so close. They're under a month away. Get ready, everyone. It's going to be a fun time. I'm going to dive more into the teams uh, as we get closer to the Olympics so you can get to know them a little bit more. Like I said in the last episode of Grace by Sports, when the Olympics are going on, I will probably do more than one episode a week on the Olympics because there's going to be so much to cover. And if there's a specific thing that you want to talk about or you like about the Olympics, let me know and I'll try to cover that as well. So thank you for joining me on this fairly long <laughs> sports show this week. Like I said, they probably won't ever be short because I just really love sports. So thank you for coming with me on this journey. We're going to have a good time. We're going to enjoy the beautiful parts of sports. Have a great week, everyone. See you back here on Monday when I drop my interview with Alex from the Canon at Columbus Blue Jackets blog. Have a great week. Be kind and Love always. My theme music is One Light by Nick Wilkinson and the Featured Players. You can find their latest album, Live, Volume 1, on Bandcamp and Spotify. Live, Volume 1 was recorded in front of a live audience on May 26, 2017 at Jilly's Music Room in Akron, Ohio. (laughs) 